Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning. All right. I, I'm excited uh, about this morning as well. Excited about the, the, the recognition of where we're at uh, in the summer. Uh, we're about to make uh, some considerable changes uh, for, for how things run here. For, for those of you who live in Athens or in the surrounding area, you recognize that we're about to have a, a population surge here shortly in the next couple of weeks. Kids are going to be heading back to school and kids are going to be heading, or students are going to be heading our way as well. And so seeing a lot of changes coming up. But that being said, uh, we still still enjoy the day, and we still have a couple more weeks uh, in this series as we kind of walk through the remainder of August. Um, I, I have truly enjoyed being able to have interaction with many of you about the different things that we've walked through, and specifically even last week as uh, Dr. Helmer came, Chad Helmer came and, and shared, uh, it was such a blessing uh, to hear uh, as he uh, just allowed the scripture to speak, to hear many of you share the way that God is moving in your life and the way that as we talk about these guides of helps to holy living, how not the, the application of them brings salvation, but how it recognizes and how we recognize through action, uh, we can grow in our faith. We can grow in under, our understanding. We can grow in our relationship with Jesus. And so my heart and my prayer is for us as a church, as we continue through this series, as we kind of hit these last few weeks, that we wouldn't mail it in or we wouldn't quit, but instead we would push hard into what God has for us uh, for the remainder of this. I'm uh, interested to, to, uh, to hear from many of you on this, but at the same time excited already to recognize that as we talk about service, it's not a foreign concept in our context in this church. In fact, as I talk about service with many of you, it's not a where are you serving, what are you doing? It's already here are the things that are already taking place in my midst. And maybe it's serving within the church or serving in a parachurch organization or something in town, or maybe it's just a life of service that you already live. And one of the things that I recognize, and this is a, a quote from a movie, uh, the movie's called Robots, and it came out in 2005. It's kind of a, a corny little movie about a young inventor, but there's a guy in the movie called Mr. Big Weld, and he says this, see a need, fill a need. And his theology here, this theologian, brings forth this very important note for us as the church. Oftentimes, there are needs around us. There are things that need to take place. There are people that have a need, and there are wants around us as well, but there are needs around us. And his small, short little charge or command or challenge is that when you see the need, fill the need. Now, I will say this, a need doesn't always constitute a call. Just because you see a need doesn't mean that God's calling you to something new. But if you see something in front of you, God is calling you at that moment, or at least leading you at that moment to step forward to fill it. And we see that throughout scripture. We see that many times in Christian history. You may see that in your own context, in your own life now. See a need, fill a need. Now, part of that recognizes this, that you need to be open to seeing, because oftentimes we don't see needs because of the busyness of life or because we've got other things going on and we don't allow those to break through. But when you see one, you step forward into it. Today's guide of helps to holy living uh, recognizes how we interact towards others. And that's where we'll be for these last three weeks. It reads like this. It's at the top of your uh, sermon notes on the back of your bulletin. It says, do good as much as is possible to all people as God gives opportunity, especially to those in the body of Christ, by giving food to the hungry, by clothing the destitute, by visiting or helping those who are sick or in prison, and by instructing, correcting, and encouraging them in love. 
There's several things to parse from this. Certainly one of them is to see the need. The second one is to fill the need. The third one is, though, this other underlying important fact that, that, it, that it should be the, the accelerator and the motivation for all the action, which is that it's done in love. It's done not just as action, just mere action that we do, but it's done so as a response to the love that we have with Jesus, the love we receive from Jesus, and the love that we are to give to those around us, both the church and also just others that we come in contact with. And so as we embrace this, this specific context and this understanding, we do so with the recognition that God has a very intentional call for each person in here. And that call is going to look different. That call is going to be in uh, a, a, a variety of, of ways. It's going to look unique, and it's going to come about for different seasons and different times. But as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the call is not just merely for those who are called to vocational missions or vocational ministry, but the call is for all of us as the church to be God's kingdom force, to be his hands and feet, to be the, 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 the priesthood of all believers, which means God has uniquely given all of us opportunity to serve by granting us gifts, granting us time, talent, and treasure. The primary passage we're going to look at today is from Matthew's gospel, and Matthew's the first gospel in the New Testament. Matthew records many of Jesus' parables, his, his uh, miracles, many of the teachings that he had. And specifically today, as we look at this passage, we're going to be uh, in chapter 25. If you want to put your finger there, you can. We're going to refer back to it several times. But in the parable we're going to read today, Jesus is discussing the service and the conduct of the true believer. What he is not assigning here is a list of necessary tasks that we have to do as believers. What he's not doing is saying, here are the things that you need to do in order to, to enter the kingdom of God. While he does refer to some, he's not saying, here's the checklist. Because oftentimes what happens is when we have the checklist, we go down through that list, we check those things, and oftentimes what happens is we are removed from the love that God has for us, instead only to fulfill the mission or to, to check the boxes of things that are necessary. At the same time, Jesus' preaching here is on judgment. He's going to talk about judgment. But one of the things that he does in the course of judgment is he reflects on how we get to the moment of judgment ourselves and what's going to happen in that moment of judgment. The provision that he has for us is there's love and there's love that we embrace. It's a way of recognizing through the theme and through the, 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 uh, the whole overarching understanding that is this how I act? Is this who I am? And if so, I will be one or the other. I will be judged one way or the other. One more thing I want to note as a disclaimer before we move on is that the action Jesus shares here is once again action. It's an outcome. It's the response to being a follower of Jesus. Note it's the outpouring of the love that we have for Jesus that brings forth these actions, not the other way around. You know, Matthew 15, uh, 18 reads like this, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And there's a recognition there that what's on the inside will eventually come out, both in words and then also as stated in this passage in chapter 25 in deeds. And so let us remember that. Let us not get lost in the weeds or think specifically about the fact that these are just tasks or maybe I'm going to make God happy with me or make him love me more. No, this is simply an outpouring of the love we have for him. It's about the heart. It's about who he is and what he's done for us. And so as we look at this passage today, as I said, we're going to read through it. If you've got your smart device, like, as I said, we'll be in chapter 25. We'll start in verse 31, and I'm going to read starting in verse 30, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. 
All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And here Christ is laying out the scene for the final judgment. He's, he's relaying to the listeners, both at that time and then us as well, his universal church, what will take place at the end. And what he's stating here is the service that you have and the heart from which it comes will have eternal implications. When we talk about investing in this world, we talk about investing in, this, in the world in general, what we're talking about are, implication, or are investments that have implications that go beyond what we see here. Things that, that, that are timeless, that are eternal. This separation of, of sheep and goats is an interesting one. In fact, if you, anybody go to the fair, the Athens County Fair this past week? If you were there and you walked through, only like six people went, that's okay. If you walked through the, 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 uh, the 4-H, the 4-H uh, barns, you'd see many different animals. I remember prior to this year going to fairs, and as I would walk through, I would see the chickens, I would see the rabbits, I'd look at each one. I didn't realize, you know, the differences. I didn't realize that some were better than others. In fact, I'd look at them and say, why did that get a ribbon and that didn't? And now this year, I recognize uh, my kids both being in 4-H, there are differences. There's a lot of differences, and I recognize what I need to do differently next year to get, I mean, my kids need to do differently (laughs) next year. To get a ribbon. No, it's a a family experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I remember a number of years ago actually going to a fair specifically, walking through the booths. And I, at the time, now I have some goats at home. I had no livestock at that point. At that point, my family had a dog and a couple of cats growing up. And that was my extent of understanding animals. I remember walking through and I was standing uh, close to some of the the pens uh, that, that would have sheep and would have goats in them. But there was a variety of animals around. And this fair was one specifically that was notorious for having people that would come from out of town, specifically people from Columbus that lived in the city that didn't have a lot of access to animals, let alone farm animals. And I heard a conversation just a few pens over of a couple of people were having. There's just two ladies there. And they were going back and forth on whether or not the animal they were looking at was a sheep or a goat. And I wanted to give him a sermon, and this passage would have been the primary part of that sermon. But I, you know, I didn't want to go and barge in on what they had to say. But they're going back and forth, and I heard them talking about the, the different features of the animal. They talked about the ears, and they said, well, what about the tail? I don't know. What about this? What about that? And all the things they were saying. And eventually, as I overheard them, they must have noticed that I was listening, eavesdropping a little bit. And they called me over and said, hey, do you know anything about animals? I said, well, I know a little bit, you know. The, 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 the duck goes quack, and the, the cow goes moo. And, and so I walked over to them, and I looked into the pen, and they said to me, is this a goat or a sheep? And I didn't have the heart to really drive home the point, but I looked over at them, and I said, that is a pig. (laughs) In this case, Jesus uses sheep and goats as a metaphor. And certainly for the trained eye, for the shepherd, he may, she may see the difference in this specific case. They would graze together, they would be together all the time, but the one thing that would cause or that would bring a separation would be at the moment or the end when something needed to be yielded, when fruit needed to be gathered, and that is when the sheep needed to be sheared. 
And so when Jesus is using this metaphor, he's bringing forth the recognition that at a certain point there will be a separation and one will yield this fruit, the other will be discarded or set aside for later. The first difference I want to recognize, I want to walk through specifically as we look at these sheep and goats, is what the difference is not. The difference is not about do's and don'ts. In fact, right here, Jesus is attempting to try to keep them from walking down this path of recognizing hypocrisy. And I'll say this first and foremost, sometimes the church gets a bad rap. Sometimes within the context of the church, people look at it and they say, well, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. And let me just say this, in some ways that's true. But at the same time, the heart of what we do as believers is try to be like, try to honor, try to glorify our Savior, and at the same time edify one another. And you and I both know that the church, that we as people fall short. And sometimes people view that as hypocrisy, when in action, what it is, is us attempting to try to walk this life, to walk down this path, to walk this journey with Jesus. And so the heart of it isn't, hey, we're high and mighty, we're better than everyone else. The heart of it is, hey, follow me, come along with me as I follow Jesus. Yes, there's going to be times when we slip up, times when we make mistakes. But when we do so, we step back in and we allow Christ to dust us off and we move forward with him. Why are the shepherds in in this specific case, why do they hate the loveless hypocrisy? Jesus makes this clear. The follower will be identified by their love for one another, their love that is lived out in action. Because love that has no action actually is is somewhat cruel. Love that that, that takes no action, that love that doesn't do anything is cruel. When we hold on to the, the resource, the things that we have, the time, the talent, our treasure, we say, this is mine. We're being cruel to the rest of the kingdom. We're being cruel to the rest of the world. He's ultimately saying to them so that when they do this, they, they step forward as, as part of God's plan, his holistic picture of what everybody is called to do. And can I tell you at the same time that salvation is at stake, but what, what cannot be recognized or what should be recognized here, what cannot be given, what cannot be granted is salvation is not granted through our action. It's merely a result. The way that we love others is a, is a response, an outcome. The, the only difference that we see here between the righteous sheep and the unrighteous goat is what they did or did not do. And it's not nearly or merely about their outward characteristics, but it's about their inward DNA. In fact, sheep and goats are different species. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, when you and I come to Christ, we are made into a new creation. We are not what we were before. We are set new. We are made new. We are now brought into this new family of God. And these external differences, while they can be seen, there are other results to them. There's different ways that you can, you can identify these different things, but the cause is not where we should land. Instead, don't confuse the fruit with the root. Do not confuse the wool with the DNA. New Testament's clear about what it says to love one another. However, it's important to note that in all aspects, in all ways, that this love that we have comes from a righteous nature, from the inward fruit, a new nature that God has for us, that he creates in us. If you're a note taker, the first note is this. The difference between a righteous sheep and an unrighteous goat is identified by an inward commitment, but not observed through outward, but often observed through outward behaviors. And so we can look at someone and say, well, I see fruit or I see perceived fruit. And and that is uh, the response of an inward heart and inward desire. But we're not always right. And here's the reality. We don't have to be. Instead, we recognize God is good and he is sovereign and he he is the one that provides all. And so in that, we glorify God and we move on. We thank God for what he's doing 
and we move on. One author said, having real wool does not make you a sheep, but being a sheep causes you to have real wool. Can I say that again? Having real wool doesn't make you a sheep, doesn't make you a follower of Jesus, but being a sheep causes you to have real wool. If you are a follower of Jesus, there will be an outcome that brings forth service to others and to the kingdom. So when Christ separates the sheeps and the goats, we can recognize true conversion through the presence of sacrificial love. But our sacrificial love doesn't bring that conversion once again. The second thing to pull from these few verses is this, uh, in regard of outward behavior, what we do for others demonstrates what we really think about Jesus' words to us. You know, right now we're reading scripture, and I, I would venture to say that for some in this room, that this might be the only scripture you read this week. Some of you, you may read every single day, and there's probably plenty in between. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, we are reading this right now. And so therefore, these are the words to God for us today. And I'm going to reread 31 to 33. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right, and the goats on the left, and, and on his left. And here we recognize these words, but there's probably a, a multitude of, of thoughts and, and feedback and, and just, and for all of us, engagements that you might want to insert or, or withdraw or, or draw from this specific passage. The reality is, in all of it, that God has granted a specific tone and message for us. And his words have an implication, a meaning, a desired response. What we do for others demonstrates what we really think about Jesus' words to us. Feed the hungry. Give to the homeless. Look after the sick. I had a friend in school. His name was Jason. And Jason, uh, at, at uh, the moment in which we, um, we, we got to know each other, the moment in which we got to, to interact and, and talk, I recognized that Jason had uh, a personality that was one that was, I would say, I would consider interesting. And to this day, Jason is still a very interesting person. He's a good friend of mine. I appreciate his heart. I appreciate his desire uh, to serve God. He's a believer. He's a follower of Jesus. And I remember his interesting response on the day when we were to talk about or to share what we wanted to be when we grew up. We were young. Everybody decided or everybody shared what they wanted to be when they grew up. And Jason, everybody's going around, I want to be a doctor or a professional athlete. I want to be this, I want to be that. Jason said he wanted to be a fire truck. Not a firefighter, a fire truck. And as we put together the, the, uh, the information, the facts for this project, he did mention the word transformer one time, which I thought, okay, that's important if you want to be a fire truck and you're a human being. But what I recognize now as I interact with Jason, as we talk from time to time, as we text from time to time, that he doesn't drive around as a truck. In fact, he doesn't carry fighter, firefighters around. He doesn't have a siren attached to his back. He doesn't carry water. He's far from being a fire truck. And it's a funny little note, but at the same time, it, it points back, it harkens back to this recognition that we can say things, we can wear monikers, we can desire things, but without action, without us actually living into and being these things or being this thing or being in this specific case a follower of Jesus, without this service, do we really wear the moniker of Christ's follower? 
Are we really a Christ follower? Should we or, or if we don't heed his words? As Jesus continues, verse 34 reads like this. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, what did we, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? Verse 40 says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And here Jesus is teaching is one that shines new light, a new paradigm, a new understanding of what it means to truly serve and who you and I are truly serving. You see, the judgment of righteousness is based not on intellectual faith, but on a faith that demands loving action towards others and ultimately towards our Savior. The point under this one is this, a righteous life is a loving life. And love is, is something that's not uh, a fleeting emotion or something that's defined in our world as something that, that just changes and moves uh, based upon our mood or where we're at. No, love is something that has action, that requires action. Love is selfless. Love gives. Love is eternal. It's not just about knowing cognitively. The heart of it is about the heart exercise of engaging the world that God's planted us in. Knowledge about Christ without loving life, as I said earlier, is cruel. Think about it for a moment. If you have the key to someone locked in prison and you just stand outside the cell holding the key only to just watch them sit there in their bondage, that's cruel. Particularly if this person can receive freedom, this person can receive a, a freeness from the, the, the bondage that holds them, that's cruel. Wesley says this, do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. Doesn't leave any wiggle room there. Those all words in there lead us to, to believe the implication that this is something that is not a part-time job. For some that, that may get to a certain point where they, they, they retire from their job, this isn't something where you retire from the kingdom. This isn't something for our children as we've seen them time and time again. And even the students that went and served at camp and serve in different ways and, and went through service projects a couple of weeks ago, it's not a time where you have to, to get to a certain age where all of a sudden you're part of this. No, God is saying for all people at all times, do all the good you can. By all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. And as he expresses this, as, as God expresses this quote through Wesley, what he's doing is he's bringing forth this recognition to all of us. That his call is not something that's circumstantial. His call is not something that, that we do from time to time. His call is something he calls us to engage in in all moments. The parable here describes acts of mercy that we do every day. And it's interesting to note from time to time that when we look at acts of mercy, 
for some, you may say, okay, that's the government's job. For others, you may say, well, if the church puts together the right program or, or this specific ministry, I can be involved in it. But that's not what the scripture says. In fact, the scripture talks more about organic action. The scripture talks more about recognizing that there are going to be things in our lives that are going to take place, needs that are going to come up for our neighbor or our friend or a coworker. And the call for the, for, for the believer is to step into those needs, not to have something structured or put together. There's many cases in, in history, many cases even in recent history, where we read about examples of people who step forward. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm touched by and moved by, by the, the founder of, of Tom's Shoes, Blake McCoskey. He pioneered to start this company. Obviously, it was an endeavor to, 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 to come out with a, a line of shoes that would be something that would be a, a business for him. But his business was one that was different than many others because his business wasn't one that was all about money. Instead, it came, it generated from him going on a missions trip and seeing children, many children who didn't have shoes. And so the start of and the DNA of this ministry that he started was one that recognized the needs of others with a one-for-one -one model, where what he did and what he still does today is every time a pair of shoes, a pair of his shoes are sold, he donates or a pair of shoes is donated to a child who doesn't have them, both now also in our country, but also in other countries around the world. And at this point, they have impacted over a hundred million lives through these sales. One thing I recognize about Blake McCoskey is he didn't spend time waiting for someone to come up with a program. He didn't, he didn't wait for the government to say, okay, here's your subsidy or here's the plan that, in which you can engage in. Instead, what he did was he saw the need and he filled the need. He saw people that were in need and he embraced it by good works of, of faith and love. Finally, as the passage uh, kind of subsides or concludes down, there's this interaction that takes place, this response starting in verse 41. The people there, obviously, that are, that are, that are embracing this conversation as Jesus is, is sharing, uh, respond to what they would say. He, he gives response to the necessary question they would have. Verse 31 says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he, reply, he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not for one of the least of these you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And many times, especially if you, if you come to a specific service where they're, they're preaching hellfire and brimstone, you'll, you'll hear this as almost like a, a, a time where you, you feel this deep conviction and almost a guilt to, to step in and do all the things for all the people around you. And, and if the conviction is there and the Spirit's bringing that in a healthy way, I encourage you to press into that. Maybe today you know of a need around you. You know of a, of a financial need or a place where someone needs help or a place where someone needs your, your time or, your, or your, uh, your engagement. Maybe that's the case. And if that's the case, I don't want to step in, in the way of that. But the heart of it is this. What God is saying is when I give you something, when I give you time or talent or treasure, the desire that I have for you is that you would step forward and give forth in that investment your love, your embrace to those that are around you. The greatest commandment is this. In Matthew 22, it reads like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The point is this. When we serve others in need, we serve our Lord in love. When you serve the people around you, that is an embrace and an opportunity to be able to serve the people around you. And this is demonstrated in many different ways. Specifically in scripture, we see uh, times when when people are serving, when they're engaging. We hear about the story uh, of this woman who comes to Jesus. And in verse 36, uh, Luke and chapter chapter 20, verses 36, and Luke says, One of the, the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And so Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and sat at the table. And a sinful woman in the town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind Jesus at his feet, crying. She began to wash his feet with her tears and cried and dried them with her hair, kissing them many times and rubbing them with her perfume. You see, this possession that she had, which was seen as an expensive thing, an expensive uh, tool, so to speak, in that time what was, uh, was, was nothing to her in the sight of her Savior. It put things into perspective to recognize that the things that we have now are merely tools. The things that we have now are merely tools that God chooses for us to have so that we might use them to glorify his kingdom by serving others and in turn serving him as well. We need to view our time, our talent, and our treasure in this way. We need to serve our world in recognizing that God has planted us where we are, in the moment where you are, in your family, in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in whatever context you find yourself, so that you might serve others and serve him. See, Christ is the king of all. He's the king of all things. He's also the king of metaphors. He uses metaphors time and time again to be able to communicate things to his people, including us today, so that we might be able to understand the depth of his goodness, the depth of his giving, the depth of his love. He demonstrates his goodness, his action, his love, And the greatest use of metaphor certainly today is one that we're going to embrace in just a moment in this service of communion together. In fact, that final point is this. Christ demonstrates service to the least of these through this metaphor, through the gift of communion. In the metaphor itself, Christ states, he brings forth the the reality that Those that are around him, those that are sitting around the table with him are in turn invited to commune with him. And in the statement as well, he calls his church, his people to continue to remember, meaning that for all people, for all time, including us, that his desire, his goal, his call for us is to continue to remember him, to be present with him, and to embrace him. But the thing about metaphor, in many cases, specifically when Christ is talking, is that they, they emulate, they illustrate, they reveal action. And in this case, they reveal the greatest action, the greatest call of love ever seen, ever demonstrated on our planet, which is the death and resurrection of our Savior Jesus. And so in just a moment, we're going to embrace this time of communion together communion because we do it communally, the Lord's Supper because it's God's call, Eucharist because we're thankful, we're encouraged. And when we do so, we recognize that in this metaphor and in this call that it's not just about us coming and kind of checking the box once again, but in love, 
we spend time in reflection because once again, this outward sign, this outward action is a response, a reflection to an inward work. And so if you come here on a regular basis, you recognize that monthly we do this time of communion together in this place. And one of the things that we do is is the ushers will come forward in a moment. They'll come and they'll pass out the elements. And as they do, that gives everyone here plenty of time for reflection. As you receive your elements, you, you hold on to them, you're able to reflect over them. And during that reflection time, it gives you and I the opportunity to search our spirit, to search our heart, to allow the Holy Spirit to search us as well. And as the Spirit searches, he may bring forth conviction about a broken relationship or a time when we failed. And the amazing thing is, we don't have to hold on to that and grip it hard. Instead, what God's saying is, give it to me. On the other hand, you may find yourself in a place where today it's a time of praise. It's a time of glorifying God. You're so excited about what he's doing in your midst. You're so excited about the way that he's moving. At that time, this moment of reflection is when we say, God, thank you for what you've done. And the best part is that this is the thing that I love most about communion. We, we practice what's called an open table here at CCWC, which means you don't have to be a, a full member. You don't have to have a certain attendance record. You don't have to come here every week. But we do ask that you're a follower of Jesus, that you're part of the body. And the great thing about it is that if you don't know Jesus this morning, We don't want you to be excluded from communion because we recognize, just like everyone else that's followed Jesus or or come to Jesus in the past, that this could be your moment. It doesn't have to be some special drawn-out service. It doesn't have to be a, a, a one, two, three steps where you walk through it. No, this could be your moment right now. If the Spirit is speaking to you, you're in this place right now. One of the things that you can be thankful for is that the Spirit, he, he embraces us in this thing called provenient grace. Grace before grace, which means he can speak the language to us before we ever give our heart to him. And if he's speaking to you right now, this is your moment. This is your time to say yes. To recognize, yes, I'm a sinner. I'm far from God. The sin that I, that I live in, the sin nature that I've been born into has separated me from God. But I can now, because of God's goodness, because of Christ's call in my life, I can give that to him and I can call him. I can allow him to be Lord and Savior of my life. Because here's the thing about God. He is a good God. He doesn't barge his way in. He stands at the door and knocks. He stands at the door and knocks and he waits for you to open the door. And when you open the door, he will come in and he will commune with you. He will make you new. He will, he will bring you into a place where you'll be a new creation in him. And so my call and, and my challenge and my desire for us today is certainly that we would take our next, step, next steps forward. But if you are, are a person that's here today and you say, you know what, I, I don't know where I'm at. Or I know I'm far from Christ. My heart, my prayer is that this morning that you would respond to him. That you would join the body in communion today. You would glorify him with all that you are. So I'm going to pray. And there's nothing magical about prayer. It's a conversation with God. It's an opportunity we have to engage with God. And so today, if you want to experience him for the first time, or maybe there's something you want to give to him, I want to encourage you as we pray, whatever it might be, just raise your hand. Just, just whatever, however you want to respond. You can stand if you want to as we pray, just in, in response to or in appreciation or agreement to whatever God's doing. Maybe just put both hands out just to let go of everything you've been holding on to and let him let him embrace you. And then we'll engage in communion together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your call. 
We thank you for the fact that you give us opportunity to be your hands and feet, to be your mouthpiece. God, you grant us the, 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 the resource we have so that we might be able to share in the blessing of what it means to build the kingdom. And so God, in this moment right now, I, I pray for each person that's in this place, for those that may not know you, who maybe have never gone to a church before, never read your word, never, never even heard maybe the name of Jesus, which is possible in this post-Christian world we live in. And God, I pray for just an openness, a response. May each person here recognize your goodness, your gift, the hope that you can grant, a hope that we can't receive from this world, a peace that we can't receive from this world. And so God, I pray for each person here that may not know you, that they would just allow you to infill them, that they would just open themselves up and allow you to be Lord and Savior of their life. God, I pray for those that are here right now that are struggling with a, a situation. Maybe they have something they're holding, uh, some kind of bitterness or some kind of frustration, maybe a, a sense of guilt for, for not doing something that you called them to do. God, I pray that you would come and you would bring forth a new day there as well. That you would wash over each one with your blessing, with your presence, with your provision. And God, we thank you for the praise. We thank you for the fact that we have things that we can thank you for every moment of every day. You are a good God. You are a God that cares about us. A God that, that, that in all ways, in all aspects, desires for us to be able to experience your goodness, both here on earth and in eternity. God, may we be your hands and feet. May we be your catalyst for change. May we allow the Spirit to move and to work within each one of us. I pray that as we embrace this action of, of communion together, that we would do so, as the title suggests, communally, as your body. Following you, Father, glorifying you, and embracing your Spirit. In your Son's name we pray, and all of us said together, amen. Ushers, would you come?
if you jump forward to just a, a chapter, you'll recognize Matthew records something new. Chapter 26, verse 26, reads like this. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup and he gave thanks. And after he had given thanks, he, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And this passage points towards the very near future, but it also points towards the end. In the context of the passage, we read about all of you, meaning that Christ is including everyone, even those that he knew around the table that were going to betray or even deny him. He recognized that throughout, in the, in the context of, of history and in the context of the future, that there's going to be ups and downs, there's going to be all these different things, but he recognized and he, and he pointed towards the one constant, the one main constant of all, which is that he would be the source, his blood and his body, of the true sacrifice for all people, for all time. The encouraging thing the hope-filled moment, the response to that is that all people, that includes you and me. That includes us right now who, as we went through difficult, maybe difficult things this week, we've got things on our plate coming up the next week or the next month, all the, the twists and turns, the ups and downs that we walk through, the constant is still there and still remains that Christ died for you. And the constant still remains additionally to that, that he didn't just die for you, but he beat death. And because of that, we serve, we know, we walk alongside a risen, living Savior. And so this morning, we take these two elements. First, the bread. And as Christ instructed, we take the bread and we break it. And that represents, once again, a metaphor for what his body would go through as a result of the sacrifice. So take and eat in remembrance of him. And then like it, he gave thanks. And in their presence, they would recognize the need for a blood sacrifice for sin. This eternal blood sacrifice would be one that would be far greater than anything that they could take, anything they could do. And he made sure they all had some. And he said, take and drink in remembrance of me. Hear this passage as you go today. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Go encouraged. Go filled. Go on mission. See the need fill the need, but do so in recognition that God is good, God is able, God is in control. Go with God, he'll go with you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you again for spending time with us today. 
Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.